Welcome to the Supremely Intercontinental Puckcast, a podcast about fake little hockey guys. I'm your host, Ian Constable, GM of the Banff Rockies. Nerd! Welcome back to the Puckcast, everyone. After a short week, we're going to talk with Jeff Prozeller, GM of the Havana Revolution. All right, let's get started right away with Jeff Prozeller. All right, partner, let's get down to business. Okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll get the Cubans. Yeah, yeah, they're right out here. Yeah. Yeah, here they are, the Cubans. Real Cubans. You wouldn't be trying to sell old Earl Haffler Dominicans and a Cuban rapper, now, would you? Oh, come on, look at these boys. If there are any more Cuban, Castro would have smoked them himself. <laughs> We're talking about people, right? I think so. On for the second time he's been on the show before as the free agent bot. But this time today, we're going to be interviewing him on behalf of the Havana Revolution from his GM role there. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Welcome back. Thanks so much, Ian. It's, uh, it's great to be back here and uh, and representing the, the Havana Revolution this time. Really awesome. <laughs> That's great. I, I'm excited about it. So Let's just get started right off the bat here. Where are you from? Where am I from? Um, currently, I am in Kingston, Ontario, which for those that aren't geography majors uh, is kind of halfway between Ottawa and Toronto, um, both cities that also have meaning to me. I was born in Toronto and moved to Ottawa when I was probably just before junior kindergarten. So I, I grew up mostly in Ottawa, but um i've been in kingston now for seven years which is actually the first time i've said that out loud and i'm just realizing <laughs> how long that actually has been since i moved so yeah yeah a little bit of everywhere around here did work it work take you there or? yeah work brought me here um okay. it was uh a move and you know i'm glad i made it i don't miss uh the traffic of ottawa or big cities it's nice to be able to get anywhere you want to be in 15 minutes so <laughs> pretty cool that is good. I had a friend uh, did his boot camp right around Kingston. Is that would that be Petawawa or? Uh, no, there's actually a, a CFB like a Canadian Forces base in Kingston. Um, okay, that's also where Royal Military College is. Is is right here on the water. Uh, right. You know, actually, I could almost throw rocks at it from my house. So yeah, <laughs> better not. <laughs> yeah. They probably have guns. All right. <laughs> All right. Did you grow up playing hockey? Uh, no, I didn't actually. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, my sports history. So I grew up playing baseball and basketball. Um, but I never watched either one of those on TV. The only ones I ever watched on TV were the NFL and NHL or hockey and football, but I never played either of them. So it was always like a running joke that I would only play the sports I wouldn't watch and vice versa. <laughs> so I can skate uh, and I can shoot, but uh, nowhere near caliber quality enough that I could, you know, maybe, maybe I could beat some some rink rats of, you know, like 15-year-old kids, but that might be about it. And even that's probably pushing it these days. All right. So you follow the NFL. You play any other fantasy sports like fantasy football? Um, yeah, I joined, uh, our fantasy football league when Matt got it up and running, which is awesome. And thank you, Matt. That's, uh, uh, a lot of fun. Um, other than that, no, I really don't not, not definitely not 
to the caliber or way that we're doing the SICHL. So, uh, you know, I do a couple of the Yahoo fantasy leagues. I used to be in a money league for NHL, uh, and I got thrown out after I won three years in a row. So they tossed me and said I wasn't invited back. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it must have been the SICHL scouting I did on prospects that got me in. It was a keeper league. So, yeah, my team was way too good. Right now, Eric's sitting there somewhere going, don't listen to this. Don't listen to this. Like, Don't take ideas from this. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> How did you get involved with the SICHL? Um, so way back in the day, um, actually, I, I grew up um, in the west end of Ottawa. So I went to school in Richmond. And um, I went to high school with Pat Booth who is, uh, for those who know, the GM of the Ottawa Slammers. And right. Pat actually lived together for, well, I don't know, a year or two anyway, at least, somewhere after after um, university. And, uh, you know, he had always been telling me about the, you know, the SICHL and, you know, how he almost won the cup that year and then he did win his cup. Um, and, you know, all the trades and all the banter and, and just kind of showing me the site. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I actually tried to get in. I think it was probably the Martin Levesque, um, the Dragons of Montreal dispersal draft when they blew up his like incredible team into probably what would have become at least a couple cup contending teams. And uh, I didn't get in back then. But uh, yeah, I made it made it in 2010, so that's pretty cool. That is cool. It's a tough group to become a part of, and and we can see why it's it's extremely sought after, and because it is such a great league. Um, yeah. So you see, you seem to enjoy cigars. Is there ever a bad occasion for a smoke? Um, yeah, there can be <laughs> a bad for a smoke. Uh, but you know, it, it would it would have to really be pressing. Um, I, I was, it's funny, I had this conversation Saturday with, with a buddy of mine because we were out by the pool and enjoying a couple cigars and, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, different brands and what ones do you like, what ones do you not like? And at the end of the day, I said to him, I'm like, listen, when it, all it comes down to for me is I like the, the, that when I light this up, I have 30 minutes. Like I know it's 30 minutes and I'm not going to do anything else in <laughs> you know, in my life or in the world, I'm not responsible for anything. Like this is 30 minutes of me just sitting here enjoying this and I can't really do anything else. Cause you know, you're not allowed in the house when you're smoking and all this other stuff. Like there's not much you can do when you're sitting there and you have this thing running. Right. So I kind of like that piece of it that you get 30 minutes to yourself. So, yeah. Okay. That's- yeah. You know what? Uh, my wife works in the restaurant industry and <laughs> It's not cigars that people are going to smoke, but the people who smoke, see, yeah. she, she said, you know, they seem to be able to take breaks <laughs> when we're, you know, even when we're getting slammed. <laughs> so she's like, yeah. maybe there's something to it. But uh, <laughs> you know what? It's funny. I used to work in the restaurants as well. And, and I always noticed the same thing. And there was uh, a couple guys I worked with that also didn't smoke. And so he went out to the store one day, and, and you can tell your wife this, this is a brilliant idea. He went out to the store, he bought a box of freezies, and he put them in the industrial freezer in the back. And he said, for those of us that don't smoke, there's a box of freezies in the back. 
And at any point in time, just like the smokers, you can just take a freezy break and go get a free stand outside and enjoy five minutes to yourself. That's a great idea. I love it. That's really I good. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I really loved it. So there you go. All right. We're, we're getting into the tougher questions now. So people, you know, didn't really hold back on one or well, some of these, maybe this next one. Uh, how do you console yourself after getting swept in the finals? And why is the Canadian conference so much better than the world? Oh, gosh. That's still, that myth will just never leave us, will it? It's just, it just keeps circles, keeps circling back like a really bad conspiracy theory. Um, why is the Canadian conference so much better than the world? Well, I guess this year it was, right? Um, and, and maybe even last year too. But I think the years before that, I, I think there was like a three or four year run where the World Conference won everything. Um, so, you know, it kind of bounces back and forth. But in terms of how did I console myself, that was, that was tough. Uh, I have to say it was, it was, it was a rough couple days there. I remember Eric and I were kind of messaging back and forth and, I had a home construction thing going on and like it wasn't going well. And then Eric swept me and I was just like, oh, man, this is brutal. Uh, this is how it feels to get swept in the finals. So, um, you know, you just kind of look at it and go, all right, this year wasn't my year, but my team's still good. And, you know, I'm, they're, they're not all going away next year. So I got another year in it. I think the big piece for me was winning the world conference like mm -hmm. I, I remember winning the world conference like beating the aces which was i think it was game seven and that was that was a tough series mm -hmm. and when i found out that i won against the aces and i was going to the finals like i was jumping in my kitchen and uh my wife was here and actually uh for a while i had michael Oram. GM of the London Monarchs living with me uh, when he was waiting for his new house to be finishing built. So he was here too when that happened and they're both staring at me like I lost my mind and I'm jumping up and down in the kitchen. I'm like, I won, I won, I won. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so I think just never having been to the finals before, um, winning and getting into the finals was kind of like a nice consolation prize. Um, getting into the first round was a consolation prize. So uh, it was easier to console myself, I guess, after, after that. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I, as one of 27 other teams, uh, were, you know, would have loved to be in your position as well. Like just being in the finals, that's a huge, like you said, huge accomplishment. Um, yeah. congratulations on that. Um, but we'll go to the next question. Uh, Jeff, now that you've lost in the finals, you have even more common with Henry Ski, GM of the Hamburg Gladiators. How does this make you feel? Oh, man. How does it make me feel to have one more thing in common with Henry Ski? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, not good. <laughs> uh, the fact that our teams both start with H and both start with HA and the number <laughs> of accidentally selected his roster over mine when I'm going through team intelligence. And then I, and then, you know, I click it and I think I've clicked my own. And then I look at all the players and I'm like, Oh my God, this team is horrible. Like <laughs> what is happening? Did, what happened to my team? It just blew up. And now I have this horrible set of players. 
Um, and so, you know, at least, at least we're not similar in that way, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure he will eventually come back to life and, and our rivalry will reignite. So I look forward to that, Henry. God, <laughs> Godspeed. Well, I hope that has, I hope you've answered the anonymous, uh, the anonymous person who asked that question well, and I'm, I'm sure you did. All right. Were you surprised uh, at the turnaround your team had? Now, uh, maybe somebody's talking over a number of years because I'm thinking back and, uh, and your team has been a powerhouse for years to come, or maybe they're talking about like in the playoffs, the turnaround. i um, not sure, but what do you think? I'll, I'll take this a couple ways. So, okay. You know, I'll, I'll look at it first of like, you know, the turnaround from, I would say, probably 2013 when I kind of 2012, 2013, when I kind of like did a little bit of a teardown and then more recently. So, you know, basically once I once I had drafted, um, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and Lindholm and Huberto and I had all those guys coming along, um, you know, I was expecting that my team, I mean, it looked good on paper to me anyway. And I was expecting, okay, like this team should be able to perform and should be able to, you know, at least make the playoffs and then hopefully do some damage and and get going. And, you know, obviously it didn't. Um, And we're kind of, I think this is like three or four or five years into like, you know, the window, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, that's uh, the first year that I made it really out of the first round um, and luckily made it all the way through. Um, but, but yeah, I think it was, it's been frustrating that, you know, year after year, I kind of get to the playoffs and then get bounced out so early uh, just speaks to the quality and caliber of teams in the world conference, I guess. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, that part, yeah, that part, um, has been frustrating. So I guess the the surprise from that angle has been, you know, surprisingly frustrating. <laughs> okay. um, but but more recently, um, the turnaround for my team. So kind of you know this year as opposed to last year, if I take it that way, um, you know, I, I I am struggling to explain it. I, I did a little bit of roster tweaking, um, very little. Um, you know, if I look at my roster from the end of last year to this year, aside from re-rates, I think there's only one or two players that changed out. Um, so, you know, why they got farther this year, um, I think is a, is a mix of, of chemistry and then probably some amount of good luck, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. When I think about it, it really is one of the most consistent groups, uh, of the, that top group of, um, of teams in the league. Uh, the, the, you're right. There's not much changeover that I see. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's funny because it's not like there's been a lack of options. Um, uh, I've had many offers for a lot of my top line guys, some of them good and some of them not so good. <laughs> I've definitely made the forum posts about, you know, ready to, 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 you know, get one of them out of here. So make me an <laughs> offer. I can't turn down and I'll just sign up. But, uh, you know, uh, there's been a couple that were close, um, but nothing obviously that made me pull the trigger. And it's funny because maybe one of the closest times I ever had was actually with Eric. And I think it was probably two seasons ago. 
and neither one of us could win. I think we were both on like, you know, 10 or 12 game losing streaks and it was just unbearable. <laughs> and, you know, we talked like a big deal, like a, a, I won't say who to save Eric, um, but, you know, it was like a top line forward and a top line D-man swap, basically. And we got really close and, uh, you know, we each decided to sleep on it and, you know, I just, I don't know who ended up killing it or axing that deal, but it just, for whatever reason, didn't happen. And obviously to Eric's chagrin. So there you go. <laughs> well, maybe not as he's, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, uh, so those, those big, big, big deals. Like the, like when you're talking superstar players going both ways, those are the toughest to make, I think. I, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so I'm, I was a bit confused about this next one because I'm not sure about this post that somebody was talking about. What was the forum post the best anti-jinx ever? Maybe you know more about that. Maybe no. that. I know what this is about, actually. Okay. And while we're talking, I might try and bring it up on my phone so I can read it to you. <laughs> uh, and so this was a post I made um, early on this season probably a couple weeks in um, and uh, oh my gosh, where is it? I really want to bring it up. I, it was called, okay, here it is. December 26th at 11 AM. I posted what's wrong with my team. And all I said was, please give me some laughs, making fun of this tire fire of a team. Oh, I remember. Yes, I do remember and, that. And I, I was like, I was out of the playoffs. We're over a month into the season. I was out of the playoffs. I could not get anything to work. None of my lines worked. None of my defensive pairings worked. Connor Hellebuck was like, you know, letting in his GAA was probably almost three. And it was just like a joke. And there was a bunch of responses and Eric was one of them. And he said, oh, no, you don't. I know how this works. Um, some words I can't say, you won't catch me throwing stones, lest whatever malady that affected you is somehow contagious. <laughs> and, um, you know, Henry and Seattle and, uh, <laughs> yeah, there was a bunch of, of responses here, uh, basically saying, you're not going to goat me into making fun of your team because... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, everyone had a lot more confidence in it than I did at that time. So, thankfully, I didn't get any semi-good trade offers because I might have pulled the trigger. <laughs> right. So okay. So, yeah. Um, talking about the World Conference a bit earlier, uh, who do you think is or are your biggest competitors to making it back to the finals in the World Conference? Oh boy. I mean, well, obviously Dustin's right there. Um, mm -hmm. you know, he's, you know, he's got, I don't know what his war chest, uh, negative war chest is at, but I know <laughs> let's take a look. <laughs> he's definitely has the, um, has the talent on, on the squad and his re-rates will be just fine. So he'll be up there assuming he can afford to keep it together. Um, you know, Sylvain is there. The riders are, are an unre unreal team that, you know, year after year, just don't seem to. You look at his caliber of players on on his uh, team intelligence, and it's just scary. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Norm seems to be there because no one will trade with him to take away his players, or at least enough of them that it seems to hinder him in any way, shape, or form. So, 
you know, he's there. But we also have, you know, some of the, um, like, more up-and-coming teams, uh, like the Buckaroos have a scary roster. And, yeah, and they, they do. Yeah. They could definitely, um, definitely do damage. I mean, um, the Crunch have a great roster as well. I know Kirk's done some work in there. Um, and then um, Ryan, that that Shamrocks team, man, that I played them and uh, I won in five or something that didn't do his team justice. Like mm-hmm. he, what you did this year to put together that team. Yep. He, and I think I I actually posted this in our um, in our um, write up when when we did the Smartitude picks, but he pretty much had every single forward that I was kind of scouting as like maybe I could get this guy, maybe I could get that guy, and every time I went to make an offer, it was like the trade was either done with Ryan or you know Ryan who bid me. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, he's got every player that I wanted all year. And so if I lose to him, I'm just going to be kicking myself forever. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he's another guy that he's got a he's got a great squad there, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's somebody that I will never, ever count out when it when it comes to like he he will pull off what needs to be pulled off. Um, and he sure did that this year. And uh, like you're saying, the crunch, like I thought, uh, I think that was probably the biggest, uh, disappointment for, uh, for a group, uh, this year, because I thought that that team was just awesome. And, uh, yeah, so that was too bad that, uh, cause I believe they missed out on the playoffs, but, uh, that shows how tough that world conference is. Right. So, yeah. uh, yeah. And then it goes out your way, right? So I mean, some years you're better than you think you're going to be, and some years uh, not years. quite. But yep. uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Given that you made it to the finals, do you think you still have the team to make it back, or do you need to address a few things in the off season? Um, I'm not a giant tinker. Um, I'm a big tire kicker, and sometimes there's something there, and sometimes there's not. Uh, I usually make a good couple deals every year, um, but I, I have to kind of wait and see what the re-rates come back as. I have a good idea of what should probably happen, um, but I, I need to see what the team chemistry looks like after those re-rates. Uh, I imagine I'll probably need a couple defensemen and you know, might need a defensive forward or two, but generally speaking... Yeah, I, I don't have big needs. I mean, my my goaltending situation, I should have three strong goaltenders in Hellebuck and Jack Jack Campbell that no one wanted to trade me for <laughs> happening. Uh, so, you know, I think I'm pretty solid most of the way through, but I'm definitely going to need to tinker to, uh, to kind of get the chemistry and get the lines working. So, yeah, a little bit. Okay, well, that kind of answers a little bit of, uh, in a little bit of way the next question I have. Have you thought about any moves since the off since the finals uh, in the off season, or do you need to, do you tend to look at that after the summer break, or maybe after the uh, the re rates come out? Then, oh, I think like you know, three days after losing to the Schooners, I was already kind of like looking <laughs> at different players on, uh, on, on different teams and seeing who, you know, just kind of doing some general scouting who I think is, you know, maybe going to do a little rebuild next year who might trade off a couple players. 
for salary reasons or whatever, just to see kind of who's out there. I've had some talks with some GMs already, but everything kind of hinders on re-rates, right? So you right. kind of talk a little bit. Um, but I definitely do a lot of planning in the summer. Not as much this summer because I've, uh, I've taken on an outdoor construction project in my backyard that is sucking up way more time than I wanted it to. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, hopefully in the next week or two it should, you know, calm off. And then, uh, then I've got a good month to, to kind of get my plan together here. So I usually look through, you know, my prospects and a lot of other teams' prospects and then, uh, you know, what happened in the draft and what happened in uh, – you know, in this case, what happened in the expansion draft, which I think is going to be an interesting wild card as we move into next season. Um, right. I usually try and operate a season ahead. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever's happening in the NHL, sometimes I'll try and get a guy a year before, I think, and then just hold him until the mm-hmm. re through. So, you know, just kind of looking to see who might might do something this year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, like your counterparts in the other league, can you win with McDavid and Dry Settle? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, Shots anybody... fired across the bow of all those uh, fans in a certain city. <laughs> does anybody have a couple Toronto players? I think Cats have Marner. Who has Matthews? Oh, that must be uh, Kirk. So. Yeah, you could ask the same question about the Toronto guys. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I mean, obviously, you know, there's been some discussions in the in the league and and discussions, you know, that I've generated. And I know Eric and I have had talks about it. And I've talked with you know probably four or five other GMs. Um, um, you know, Gary and and Michael about you know, star players and, you know, do they get the credit they deserve? And, you know, you looked at uh, the league leaders of, you know, scores and, and you see, okay, well, where's McDavid and, and Dreisaitl on that list? Um, and I think they both made the top 20 by the end of things, but for a while there, they were pretty far down the list. Uh, it was kind of almost embarrassing. And I was trying to figure out how, what I had to do to get them motivated and moving right <laughs> the playoffs were a little bit different of a story they they both came through which is great um but uh but yeah i don't, I don't know it's it's a good question and i've asked myself that same question both because of you know i don't want to say a uh you know a superstitious reason um but also you know as a as a star player metric in the, in the SACHL, is it actually worth it to keep them or are they, uh, is the offer that could come back, you know, to diversify and, you know, maybe better balance out my lineup. Is that the better way to go? Um, so I've, I've had those thoughts too. <laughs> I, I'm of the mindset that I don't see how they could ever hurt <laughs> having base two of the, two of the top players uh, in the league and, one that should be the top for sure. But uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll say this, Ian. I never have to worry about the re-rates, right? I just right. You know, the, I know yeah. that year after year, and that's kind of maybe the, the benefit of the star player is, mm-hmm. you know, you're never going to have, you know, them be kind of off-rated and, and your other players are all, you know, where you want them. And you're like, oh man, this one guy, if, you know, he was rated well, I could have really done something. Mm-hmm. 
I know year after year that they're going to be, you know, top of the league. So, yeah. And I mean, they're still quite young. They're still quite young. So they won't have that experience rating and everything, but it'll build every year. Right. So they're, that's just going to get better and better. And, and should all probably help a lot with the uh, consistency too, I would expect. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you will be a player in free agency this year, given that you usually approach it with uh, more caution and don't get, get caught up in the, as this person put crazy spending? <laughs> well, I'm wrong. Um, and you know, if you haven't heard my thoughts on that, go back and listen to the uh, free agent bot appearance that I did uh, about spending in free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, plug for your for your back catalog of, of sickle podcasts uh, right there. But um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I might have to dip my, my toe in free agency. I usually throw offers in on, you know, 15 to 20 guys that I'm targeting and, mm-hmm. and you know lose all hope by middle of group two um but you know uh i i don't expect that i'm gonna have any massive needs um so i don't think i'm gonna be a player in the sense of like going after one of the big targets like eric had to do for instance as a goaltender right uh, last year i don't think i'm a glaring need like he did um mm-hmm. but you know definitely gonna try and flesh out the roster so there may be a a couple players with specific ratings i might go after um but you'll see me even with my newfound fortune of you know a couple extra playoff rounds of cash i don't think that you know i'm gonna be throwing around crazy dollars like like some of you Um, all right, so I guess this is more for the uh, for the entire league. But what do you think the chances of a repeat this off season in free agency, uh, or was last season an anomaly? And I mean, again, you can go back to that uh, that episode we had of, of, with the free agent bot. We did uh, go over this one a bit. But for those yeah. people that don't have that one, um, I don't see this league backing off. Uh, at all or slowing down at all um, in the sense of, of free agency or free agent spending. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a good kind of look at what free agency uh, quality in terms of players looks like this season. But I think I remember Eric, I just listened to his podcast the other night, um, said he'd done a little preliminary and it's not wonderful. So I imagine that will drive up prices right. at least of the, uh, of the, you know, the top guys, for instance, but if there's one thing I've come to learn about this league, it's that, you know, as much as we have these discussions around tanking and player, you know, teams not maybe wanting to win every year, um, Mike's rule aside, um, there's, there's always this like mass group of guys that just want to make their roster as good as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I they'll pay whatever that costs. So uh, I don't expect that this year will be any different. But maybe, maybe they'll, maybe everyone will tighten off, and maybe I can actually sign a guy in free agency. So <laughs> I'd take that too. That's what the outcome is. <laughs> well, I love it. They're like so many people look at look at it and and play it in different ways, and that's that's fantastic. I think that that like. It doesn't just have to be one way. So many times uh, people in other leagues that I've been in or or am in, uh, it's, you know, just 
just build through the draft. Those draft picks are just so valuable. But here, I mean, sure, they're valuable. I don't think they're as, I think uh, they're not as valuable as in some of the other leagues because we've seen the teams like Las Vegas, like this year, like Dublin, um, yeah. uh, like the uh, Brandon Weekings who are there every year, um, yeah. doing it completely without the draft, right? So, so uh, there's so many ways to do it, and uh, that's one of the great things I think about this league. Uh, cool. I, I was going to say, Ian, is that uh, you gave a couple examples. You know, Vegas does it with, with you know, spending, and, and mm-hmm. Ryan does it with a mixture of trades and spending, and, and, and uh, you know, Brandon. And then you have, even if you look at um, the Schooners, I mean, yeah, they built through the draft way right. back, but a lot of their team has been built through trades. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and some of you could argue, yeah, well, he had to draft the assets to trade them, but you know, that's that's another method, right? And yep. and Ryan's done that as well. So there's there's all kinds of, you know, you look at the final six or final eight teams in the playoffs, and they were all built pretty differently, which is as you said, like really cool. Yeah, so, yeah. For your team, how much offense is enough? <laughs> there's never ever. There's always more scoring that can happen. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny, and I've I, you know I've had those moments where I'm going after uh, you know a specific scoring winger, or, you know, maybe a, a center, and uh, the GM who I'm who I'm looking to deal with is like, why why do you want him? Where are you going to put him? And I'm like, oh, he's probably going to roll on my third or fourth line. And he's like, what? No, he's like a top line winger. What are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I need more. Like, you know, I might have an injury and then I got to call him up. And he's like, you're nuts. Like, you're going to you're going to give up this for for a guy. You're going to sit on your third line and maybe give him some power play minutes here or there. But like, he's a top line guy. And and uh, yeah, there, there's never enough offense. Never enough. You never know when you're going to need that extra scoring winger. <laughs> Absolutely, and I mean, again, we look at the we look at the teams, and just to make the playoffs in the SICHL, you have to have what seems like an all-star team. I, lo- I look on both sides in the Canadian Conference and in the world, and every team that makes the playoffs is absolutely loaded. So, so yeah, those those uh, third liners have to be a top line guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love this next question. Uh, what are your sources on the draft, and why are they the same as chasms? <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw this, and I'm sitting here going, "I don't know if Chasm asked this or if, <laughs> if you know, through a lot of the drafts, I, I've cursed him for sniping me like so many times, and uh, and and taking all the players that that I'm also looking at. Him and I seem to have the same kind of gut check on a lot of these players." which is interesting, uh, and, and I quite respect his drafting, so <laughs> I think mine's more luck and his is more skill, but either way, we end up with the same list, so I guess that might be a good thing. Um, I, uh, my sources on the draft, uh, you know, I'm not going to give everything away, but uh, I definitely do not watch hockey the same way that Guy and Sylvain and, you know, I think Gary... And there's a couple others um, that I know I'm missing for sure. I know Doug watches a lot too that, 
you know, I, I don't have that time. I wish I really wish I did, but, uh, no, I'm more of like the read study. Um, you know, I have, uh, a couple other sources that, you know, I talk to and that's usually where I build my list from. Um, usually have a pretty good handle on, on, uh, on the draft by the time draft day comes. So, but, uh, yeah, as I said, mine and, and Kasim's list almost always seem to be, <laughs> similar and I don't know why it's year after year uh, him and I really need to talk about this so maybe at the next summit <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you're right I every draft I is one of you two a couple times during the draft uh cursing the other one for sure <laughs> how close were you to trading Sagan this season um pretty close actually um and not just once probably mm -hmm. three times uh, you and I were pretty close. We we had some discussions, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, hindsight twenty twenty, sometimes you kick yourself. Uh, but you know, um, yeah, I, I was pretty close at least two or three times. Uh, I was close with you, um, and I'm kicking myself over that. And then I was close with um, actually Matt with the Mustangs um, before he did that deal with I think it was Mike. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, him and I were having discussions for basically a one for one and I'm really kicking myself about that one. <laughs> Although Matt's such a nice guy. I don't know if I could have, I probably would have just traded him back because I would have felt too bad. And, you know, not that Mike's a bad person, but he's got a stronger stomach than I maybe. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there was there was at least two or three times that I could have dealt him, um, and probably at least once that I should have dealt him for sure. But uh, you know, as I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. Um, and hey, like I mean, Sagan, he's still what? He's still only twenty eight years old or something. Like he's oh yeah, he'll yeah. have a rebound season, and he's gonna be a great player continuing down the road. Um, and and with Matt, like. Like one guy, one guy going. He's got such a strong team too, and so many guys that are really stepping up this year uh, with yeah. the Mustangs. This next year, I, I'm really expecting some great re-rates on that team as well. Uh, what trade? What trade do you want a mulligan on? Oh man. Um, oh, there's probably a couple. Um, I seem to be a little more trigger shy than most. Uh, definitely more trigger shy than, uh, you know, Gary or Ryan or, um, <laughs> Chris, yeah. yeah, Chris, some of the other guys around, but, uh, so, uh, you know, for me, it's almost what ones did I wish I pulled the trigger on that I didn't. Okay. Um, and that one with Matt would be a perfect example of that, mm -hmm. but, uh, Mulligan on, I think like early on in the, uh, in my SACHL career, when I was doing my teardown, um, I think I dealt Zuccarillo to Bryce and the Vipers and I don't remember what I got back and I don't want to look it up because I was just <laughs> angry again, but you know, he went on to have after that, I think he was rated like 67 or 68. Um, and he was still young enough and I dealt him off thinking, you know, he's never going to be good by the time my team is, is you know, there he's going to be a UFA and I shouldn't keep him and I should, you know, take the assets now and do something. 
And I really regret that. I mean, obviously, because he came out and ended up having a couple like 76, 78 ratings or something like that. Um, But uh, yeah, I I really misjudged how quickly I was going to be able to kind of pivot back to being a decent enough team. And I think it turns out that his best years for ratings were right when I really could have used him. So that was a that was a big mistake. I wish I could have that one back, but uh, that's the only but, one that really stands out. Yeah, and I mean we all have ours, uh, which which we'd like that mulligan. But uh, but then there's also the ones that we're like just look back and we're really happy about. Uh, yeah. Favorite prospect in the system? Do you have a favorite prospect in your system right now? Um. Yeah, I mean, I really thought good things of of. Um, Thomas Harley, when I drafted him, Mm -hmm. um, I liked that he fell to me, if you can even call it falling to me, I guess. But, but yeah, he was one of the guys I was really hoping to to get in on. Um, I have some other kind of like, uh, you know, um, guys that were drafted that, you know, probably aren't going to be anything, but they mean something to me type of guys, you know, those ones. Yeah, uh, and so um, if I look really quickly, um, gosh, I really had high hopes for Jake Lecision at one point, but I think that's probably gone. <laughs> hmm. um, the one other guy I was really high on, uh, where is he? Trevor Janke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he just. I, I had really good things, heard a lot of really good things about him in his draft year and talked to some guys that were really high on him. So he's still kind of in the back of my mind. Um, and then um, uh, Igor FS sent off with um, Nashville in the other league. Um, you know, I think he's got uh, got good things coming too. So mm-hmm. they're the kind of my couple ones and I've it's funny the amount of interest that he has generated I think every trade that I've made in the last or or even been in talks to trade in the last kind of like 18 months his name has come up uh every time as right. oh, well you know, could we include him or I want to talk about him for the longest time it was Jesper Brad, and then after everyone moved on from him because I wouldn't deal him and now it's kind of Igor. Everyone wants to talk about him. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting how that happens. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I know also that uh, Ronnie Hervinen has been showing well at the uh, Summer Showcase um, down in Plymouth right now. So so there's, yeah, there's another always, one on that list that looks... Always got to have a homer pick from, from the Leafs, right? So sometimes <laughs> if in doubt, just draft the Leafs prospect. Uh, <laughs> normally not that tight, but, you know, every now and then all things being equal... I'll uh, I'll try and take a homer. All right. Well, that goes into like the draft then. And what's the best draft pick you've ever made? Oh, I've had some good ones, actually. Not that I'm bragging, because I think it's just as much luck as it is skill. So I'm I'm not uh, professing to know anything special. Uh, but I mean, Con- Connor Hellebuck is probably my my go to you know, gold medal, uh, A-list, 
person that I will hold up and say, you know, to anyone who thought that I couldn't draft anybody that <laughs> my proof does, oh, yeah, well, look at this guy. <laughs> um, 134th overall, fifth round. Yes, nice. sir. Nicely done. Nice. Yes, uh, very good. Um, Chris Tierney was another one. It might have even been the same draft year. Um, Jesper Bratt, same thing. Like a lot of these guys, I, I pulled out of the fifth round. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny. Uh, I was actually looking through my own draft history. I think it was last summer. And uh, with the exception of maybe one guy, I think my second round picks have been all busts for 10 or 11 years straight. Um, anyone I've drafted in the second round has never worked out. And my fifth round percentage is actually better than my second round percentage. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that, that just goes to show you I should just deal off all my second-round picks because they're hopeless for me anyway. And then <laughs> just in rounds four and five where I seem to find guys that, you know, can do something. So, yeah. yeah. Funny enough, you ha- you do not have a second-round pick this year, but you do have a fifth. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Don't come ask for that fifth, guys. It's, it's worth more to me than a second. <laughs> Or try to trade for whatever player that you pick in the fifth this year. Right. Wait till you make that pick and then try to trade for that player. Uh, which player are you most excited to see a re-rate for this summer? Oh, um, I really am curious to see what happens with um, Jacob Chikrin. Uh He had a great offensive yeah. year at Phoenix. Uh, I remember drafting him he was like he was my my go-to guy I think I picked him up mid first round I think um but I yeah, I would have I would yeah I would have taken him almost 10 spots higher right or wrong he was mm-hmm. the guy I'm with and very seldomly I can say this is the guy who's you know the top of my list for who I think is going to be around at my pick is ever there and never happened. So when he was there, I was shocked and uh, I was really excited to pick him up. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what what uh, the re-rate guys do with him. I'm a little afraid that they're going to do, you know, what they tend to do with a lot of mm-hmm. off first defensemen, which is give them great passing, puck handling and, and scoring and then leave him with like a, you know, 35 defense rating. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see what happens. So Yeah, no, I hear you, for sure. Um, yeah, and his scoring will skyrocket for sure. That's right. Let's hope his defense can at least stay the same, maybe even improve as well. All yeah, right. Uh, one more guy, yeah. uh, Josh Anderson, um, who I oh, picked yeah. in a trade uh, last year. I think it was, gosh, I don't remember who it was, if it was Doug. Um, but I think we did a flip of players and uh, I knew he wasn't going to have a good re-rate this year and he definitely cost more than more than the amount of games he played for sure. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see what his re-rate is with the Canadians mm-hmm. here. So uh, hoping hoping he'll slot in somewhere good there. And there you go, thinking a year down the road, right? So that's, that's, that's a great one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, is there a player 
that you've always wanted but have never been able to acquire. And I could, I mean, the player could even be retired by now or anything. But it, anyone, uh, anyone that you've always really wanted, maybe even tried um, a, a, a lot. I guess if you really wanted them, then probably made some attempts, but uh, but could never acquire. I think I ask um, Michael Oram every year about maybe even like four times a year about Alex Ovechkin <laughs> um, because I, I keep saying how great he would look, you know, on a top yeah. line, McDavid and Dreisaitl or, you know, Sagan and, and, and McDavid or, you know, like just with the passing and his scoring, like I just can't imagine that they wouldn't put up a thousand points, but you know, he always says, well, how is that going to happen? Because the only way I'm trading him to you is if you trade me back McDavid. And I said, well, that can't be because then he, how is he supposed to play on the same line on my team? And he said, oh, they're not going to play on the same line on your team. They're going to play the same on my team. And right. yeah, you know, there's this running fight. But uh, so he's definitely one. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want, you know, arguably one of the best players to play in our generation uh, on your team. So, you know, definitely the best pure goal scorer and mm -hmm. uh, have some of the better passers. So that, you know, has been always one I've been after. Not um, a bad one. Not a bad one. Yeah, not, a, not a bad guy to have on your team. If I'm <laughs> going to go, I'm going for gold. Um, there's been, I, I wouldn't say there's specifically a player um, aside from, from Ovechkin but I would say that there's a, a player type um, that I'm, I, I noticed that my team seems to be lacking or has lacked um, most years anyway. Um, and so it's usually that type of, you know, shoot first uh, winger that, that I seem to be going after. So whether it be, um, you know, Max Pacioretty or, you know, um, Mike Hoffman, um, you know, it's just those types of players that, you know, in the past I've needed. Um, mm. I've managed to usually find one here or there. Um, I remember Silverberg filled that role for a while. Uh, Lindholm filled that role for me this year because of the way his ratings worked out. But, you know, it, it seems to be almost more of a player type than a specific guy aside from Ovechkin. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's switch gears a little bit here. Will you be purchasing a jersey? Absolutely. I will be purchasing a jersey. Um, and uh, I, I'm super excited. I, I listened to this podcast or podcast last night. Um, Gary turned me on to it because I've been off Twitter and off the Sickle website for a couple days and I didn't uh, see the news. So Gary actually turned me on to it and I, I listened to the podcast while I mowed my lawn last night and uh, I was super excited to hear this news. So absolutely, I'll be getting myself a jersey. Um, I actually looked into getting one a couple of years ago and I think mm -hmm. my wife contacted Eric um, or or something like that to try and figure out where he got his. So, but it, it never ended up uh, working out. So now that there's another, uh, you know, more stable uh, way to do this. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in, I'm super excited. I saw yours and it is, it is quite fashionable. I, I'm really excited to see how the colors turned out, how your logo turned out. Um, 
you, I mean, your logo is and jerseys are probably one of my favorite out of the Canadian Conference. And uh, yeah, it looks A plus. So you must be really happy. Yeah, I was I was really impressed actually with uh, with the quality it was. Um, and yeah, I've been wearing it a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so yeah, I was, I was, it was even, even though like when Mike and I went, cause Mike wanted to do that, that photo shoot to show it off for the, for the league. Uh, when we went to do the photo shoot, it was during that two week period here where Edmonton broke every record there was in the book for, uh, for, um, high temperatures. So, uh, having that on, I was fine with, I was fine having that on during that, uh, during that time because I was so excited about it. So. I know there. Are, I know that there's already a number of people that are that are getting in there for one, and uh, here's another one. That's awesome. Yep. Moving on to other excitement. Will you be at the 22 Summit? I will be at the 22 Summit. Um, I am a unofficial, official, confirmed attendee. Um, oh, perfect. Oh, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> we'll be there. It is a hot. Uh, two-hour drive for me, so I have zero excuses. Um, so, yeah, I, I will definitely be there. I'm really excited for it. Um, you know, I heard you and Mike talking a little bit about uh, about that on the last po- podcast, and man, um, yeah, I, w- I, I wouldn't miss it for anything at this point. So, yeah, I will, I will be there. Now, if I remember correctly, you actually drove to uh to the 17 summit from ontario to to edmonton well kind of okay um, kind of so i flew in um a couple days probably about four days early and um, michael Oram was living in vancouver at the time and uh so i flew into vancouver to meet him oh and, okay and we did a mini meet up there with eric and um matt um and and kind of you know had some had some drinks and then michael and i drove from vancouver up through jasper and across over to edmonton and i remember the amount of stress that it caused mike and <laughs> stress because i remember that too that, that's God. why i thought you came all the way from ontario because yeah. because i remember how stressed mike was he's like they're not even gonna make it they're not gonna make it on time and and of course you guys were you were right on time no problem yeah yeah but it was so funny and and i remember him messaging me and emailing me and saying like you guys have to be here like the bus <laughs> whatever like the transport's leaving at this time and like can't be late and uh and so you know because of the type of person i am and this is all before i met mike uh for the first time by the way so but this is just the type of person i am i was like well if he's this stressed out about it i mean i would be you know sad if i missed out on this opportunity to just keep pushing his buttons and so (laughs) i found all these pictures while michael was driving of like cars off in the ditch (laughs) Sending them to him, be like, "Oh my gosh, we're off in the ditch, and we're not going to make it." And I'm so <laughs> sorry, and and he was just like beside himself, and it was pretty funny. So yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. And I, yeah, I he had me convinced. I or somebody had me convinced that you guys were coming all the way from Ontario, which I've I've done. I've dri- I've actually driven back from Quebec, uh, Quebec City, uh, to to Calgary, but. Um, 
I'm actually considering, because it works out in the summer, I'm considering driving to Toronto for that summit. But then it does take a couple days to get back to, so we'll see. Um, All right, going back to that 17th summit, what was your favorite moment from the 17th summit? And why is it Don giggling while tooping on the Rogers tour? Oh, my gosh. I thought I had successfully purged that from my memory. (laughs) (laughs) I remember you coming out. Then that was the uh, that was the super nice bathroom, right? That was the bathroom for all the all the uh, uh, yeah. um, the suites and stuff of the the high end suites and stuff. So we were in that bathroom. And you coming out coming out of that bathroom saying, "Just you were just yeah. cracking up because <laughs> you would hear a blink like for the for the the, the tweet and then just giggles coming over the edge of the uh, of the stall." So oh my god. Gosh, it was so funny. I, I will never forget that uh, as much as I try. But yeah, I just all that was running through my head was like this tour guide. And then, you know, we're all laughing. And so then he's asking us, oh, what's happening? And we said, oh, our buddy's in there, you know, doing his thing. And he's tweeting away. And all is running through my head is like, you know, this is the executive you know, <laughs> room and and in there is you know don and tweeting away while he's doing it and i was just uh, i was just too much (laughs) but yeah there was there was some good memories from that 17 summit i mean uh yeah it was it was pretty funny i remember i had the uh official havana revolution business cards made up that's uh, great (laughs) i remember we did that 18 trade uh in in our room um at like you know 11 o'clock or whatever that one night and i meant to give them out to everybody while we were all in the room and i forgot and so you know everyone took off and went to bed and i was getting ready for bed and i i I looked over and i'm like oh my gosh i still have all these cards and i meant to give them to everybody so (laughs) i ran down the hallway and i knew who was (laughs) I just started firing my revolution cards under each everyone's door. <laughs> so I remember you guys finding them in the morning and being like, what is going on? Where did these come from and how did he get them? And uh, I was just hoping I had the right rooms and, and you know, I didn't misplace some of my cards into some poor unsuspecting person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everything about that was great. I remember doing the axe throwing and, and you know, that and then they brought out the big two-handed axe and you know it was just crazy like what what a from start to finish yeah you know a plus and and just even just driving around i remember you know even the transportation right like mike had it all arranged so that Mm -hmm. we knew drivers were going to be and everybody knew where they were going and it was just kind of cool to be in each of the different cars with a different group of guys and just kind of chatting as we as we drove around so yeah, yeah. That part that made Mike go nuts when you uh, when you were showing those pictures and stuff about of those cars in the ditch and stuff was what made it go off without a hitch at all. Just absolutely perfect. Is that Mike Mike planned that thing from the moment the first person got off the plane all the way to the and actually even before because uh, the Edmonton guys were meeting days before that to to go over the stuff to make sure that there was nothing missed <laughs> like so yeah mike uh, what a job he did with that one yeah. i have to say one of my favorite moments in that was during the draft it was the first round and i got to go up to make my pick 
And I looked up to this auditorium of GMs and just the smiling faces. Yours, I just looked up and there you are just grinning from ear to ear, just so happy for everybody else making their picks in, in what, in such an amazing uh, place. Right. And it's a just, yeah, it's just such an awesome feeling. So I remember that looking up and just the grin on your face. It was awesome. So, and on so many other faces too. So. And remember, Bryce had the had the uh, specific <laughs> picked out each GM. So as yes, he, he is like, okay, wait a second. He got your song ready, and yeah. then, and then played it. You yeah, know, right. he went down there to make the pick. Yes, that was yeah. fantastic. Like, it was just really cool. Everything thought through. So yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing time. And yeah, just, uh, I can't imagine, I can't imagine there'll be many people missing out on the next one as it, uh, as from all the stories that have come out from, from the 17 one. I mean, I think anybody that was at the 17 one, I'd be, I'd be, uh, surprised if they missed the 22 one, but for those people that weren't at the 17, just all the stories that have come out from it, um, yeah. I, I can imagine it, it'll, it'll be even larger this time. So, yeah, if you're, uh, if you're on the fence and you can make it work um you know officially endorsed go do it you will not regret it i promise you yeah or your or your money back <laughs> <laughs> all right you heard it here first folks <laughs> okay. all right why is access access and allies the greatest board game of all time oh so many reasons if like here it is round two if you're not playing Axis and Allies, um, you have a year to learn it before the 22 Summit, when uh, when maybe we can bust out the actual hard copy board game and, and play a real version. But it'll uh, fit in my suitcase, no problem. All right, perfect. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's like everybody. I, I have to imagine at this point that everybody's played Risk or has heard of Risk and knows what Risk is, right? And and. I don't know if it was you and I that were talking about this, or maybe this is how I explained the game to Michael Oram when he was here and I was trying to teach him, but I was like, think of risk as like checkers or, mm -hmm. or maybe even simpler than checkers. And then Axis and Allies is like 3D chess. Yes. <laughs> and that's basically what you're operating with. So, you know, there's, it's just such a, uh, a well-balanced, you know, fun board game that you know you can play in a couple hours um and is not going to take you all night um but at the same time uh it's cool because it's history you know like but not always the way you work it out but but it happened uh, to some degree like that so it's just kind of cool to to see how the world could have played out differently if, if it went one way or another. And I think that's what takes this game aside from a lot of other board games is, you know, that there's an actual realistic element to, to it, right? Like when you look at the board in 1942 or, you know, whenever it starts, there's a couple different versions. Like that's, that's what, you know, all the generals were looking at. That's mm -hmm. what the leaders were looking at. And then they had to figure out how to, uh, how to win. Right. Um, you know, and that's what makes it different from Monopoly or from, you know, Settlers of Catan or or any of those other strategy board games out there. And there's a thousand different ones. But, uh, but yeah, that's I think that's what does it for me. I'm, I'm a big history buff and I like that stuff. So it kind of speaks to you that way, too. 
Absolutely. And uh, just a little plug about uh, with Axis and Allies. If you want to play, if you enjoy the game, or if you want to learn it, anything like that, there are a number of us from the SICHL actually who are playing online. Uh, there's a there's a version you can get on stream um, and play it online. I think it's like 22 bucks to get that uh, that version that game. And yeah, uh, yeah myself and uh, and yeah. a number of other GMs are are playing it. So. Yeah, yeah, get on there, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a good bunch of us on there, and a bunch of different skill levels too. And uh, you know, now that my backyard project is almost done, I promise I will bust out my laptop, and we're gonna start the games again. So, yeah, I, it's, it's your just, turn in round three. Actually, still in our game. <laughs> oh my gosh, isn't that sad? Yeah, as, as owed for about two months probably at this point. But uh, but yeah, normally I'm. It's fun because every day like especially because of the time change, you know, we're, we're a little bit apart. And so, um, you know, I'll always wake up or get home from work and I always have a turn right now. So, you know, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You bet. A lot of fun. Yeah. Jeff, Absolutely. this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. This time as the GM of the Havana revolution. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, awesome. I uh, I really enjoyed this. This was a great time, and uh, you know, look forward to hearing all the other GMs on here, and uh, and you know, any future exciting, cool stuff. It's just a a nice thing to to be able to engage this way. So a lot of fun. Thanks for doing this, Ian. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay, Jeff Prozeller, GM of the Havana Revolution. Thanks again, Jeff. If you have any ideas for a future podcast episode, or if you'd like to be on the podcast, just DM me on Twitter at SICHL Rockies. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you soon.